Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. everybody and welcome to another episode of the Dead Parent Club podcast and today we are joined by Emily who is the founder of Untangle which is a grief community and companion app that helps people navigate all the emotional and practical challenges that come with life after loss. Basically the founder of something that we wish we'd had when we first experienced grief. So Emily it is a great joy to have you alongside us and thank you so much for everything that you do for the grief community. Well, thank you so much for having me and same right back at you guys. <laughs> Can you just take us back into your story, Emily? You said, you know, through your grief, you decided this needed to be done. Where mm. did your grief come from? What happened? Yeah, so um, my grandpa died um, and we were very close and kind of went through supporting my mom and my grandma um, with... Basically, I mean, I one of those people that goes straight into practical mode. Um, so kind of went into trying to help them go through administering the estate, you know, working out what probate is. And I found it so stressful. I remember sitting with my mum, mm. kind of going on Google, trying to work out what to do. And there's like so many articles and so much information. And then I had all these questions and didn't know where to turn and where to go. Um, and then we started, you know, doing things like trying to work out did we need a solicitor? Did How much inheritance tax do you need to pay? You know, all of those kinds of questions. And um, didn't know where, like, which services to use and who to trust. And I thought, like, that was the practical bit. And I thought, oh, my gosh, like, there needs to be a place you can go to just help mm-hmm. you through this. Like, when you have a baby, when you get married, when you're training for mm-hmm. a marathon, you can download an app and it basically mm-hmm. helps you do that why doesn't this exist for this like really hard really overwhelming moment in life mm-hmm. so that was kind of the beginning and then obviously once I kind of was going to all the practical all the emotions like really hit as well and um it's a really isolating experience and I was like it would be great to connect with other people who are going through something similar who are kind of my age and having to do all this stuff and uh, that was kind of the beginnings of Untangle it's like how can we help people with all of the aspects of of grief it's a mad one isn't it because there's almost so much information out there <laughs> that there's too much that you just become a bit like mm. ah, overwhelmed like, where, do I, where do i even begin like and you just start you don't have time to scroll through like every single <laughs> article everywhere <laughs> um so i think it's yeah i think it's amazing i think it's something that is really really useful and i'm looking forward to kind of digging into more about untangle asics i know you guys have experienced some like massive growth over the past couple of months as well but i think one of our 
one of the kind of nicest things we like to do on this podcast, which I think was one of the reasons so many people love coming on about it, is talking about their parent. Um, so we'd love to start with kind of like you taking us back to, you know, what your granddad was like and life with him when you were younger and kind of how those relationships and that relationship impacted you after he passed away. Mm-mm. Yeah, I should say it's like it's a strange one. And I was thinking about it before, like grandparent and parent, obviously different. But it's also dependent on like the relationship you have with that person as well. So um, and it's one of our big things, like just because your relationship is different doesn't mean that your grief and your love and your connection is any kind of lesser or. Um, but yeah, so um, my grandpa's called Harold. Uh, actually, my other grandpa died recently, but Harold was kind of like my my close um Grandpa, my, on my mum's side, um, he is one of those people that is, like, incredibly generous to the point when you're, it kind of made you, like, cringe. Like, you'd go out <laughs> and, you know, we, every time I saw him, he had some kind of present. Every time we went out, he insisted. He'd, like, run up and give his credit card before you'd even sat down. Aww. Like, But in a way that was so, kind of, um, like, larger than life. And... Um, yeah, just a really lovely person, very funny, had like loads of kind of witty one-liners, um, which is actually quite interesting because since he's died, actually, my grandma started saying them all, which is really oh. nice. But it's it's so weird because like, you know, he, he said, used to be like, every time you order water, for example, um, or you have a glass of water, he's like, don't drink tap water, like fish do funny things in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just these weird, you know, these little funny Aww. phrases. And and now she, she says them all. And so... Yeah, really, really warm person um, and always had a lot of time for you and and kind of each of us as well, like all the grandkids. What was your relationship like with him individually, you know, just you and your granddad? Mm. In a way, it's like I feel a bit kind of bittersweet about this because I think as I was moving into becoming an adult, I didn't get an adult relationship with him. Um, I had like a teenage and child relationship and I sometimes feel sad about that because I think it would have been quite different. Um, But when I was younger, it was just very affectionate and um, kind of really like looked up to him. We used to, you know, spend lots of time. I have lots of memories of they used to go to America in the Christmas, like and kind of hibernate in America. They're probably like Jewish Jewish grandparents mm. basically mm. going to Florida, you know, like the movie scenes when they're wearing <laughs> sliders Love and glasses it. walking around the Love pool. And, yeah, so very much that. And um, I just really remember he had a really distinct like smell, um, which I can't describe, and I can't, I'll talk about this later, but um, I once smelt it since he's died. Um, <gasps> but we, yeah, we just kind of spent a lot of time like doing things together so whether that was like going and getting food or just I always remember kind of being in Florida with them and like sitting by the pool and like just nattering away when I was really young or like going to get ice cream just just kind of doing things so I don't think we we didn't have like deep conversations because I I felt like I was a lot younger my relationship with him he very much viewed me as a kind of younger child but we spent a lot of time together and that was really lovely you know you said 
your relationship changed with him as you got a little bit older. I hope you don't mind me asking, but how did it change? And the reason I ask is because I think we grieve regardless, but actually, depending on the relationship or how a relationship changes, it can almost affect the emotions that you feel with that grief. Mm. I think there was a period of my teenage years when I I didn't see him as much, like in my early teens, you know, the stroppy period. And I do (laughs) regret that a lot now and I do try and see my grandma more um and then as we got older I think we talk more you know so go to their house and like we'd go he always sat in his like big recliner chair in the front room and I'd go Mm. sit on they had like a leather sofa and sit next to him and we just um talk more about life he always there was always a checklist of like how's work or how's school do you have a boyfriend it was always that um just and we'd we'd always I don't know just kind of chat away um and it was yeah it was it was interesting like at his funeral I remember having conversations with some of his friends and them telling me stories of him like joking around when he was younger and I never got I didn't get that side of him. Yeah. That's what I feel. That's what I feel was missing in a way. Like that's what I feel sad about, particularly that because um, he. Vet, I think he he was very kind of paternal with me. Like he always mm. was really proud of me. Like always told me how proud he was, and always kind of wanted to know what I was up to. But I don't think I got as much. Like I didn't ask all the questions. Do you know what I mean? Um, because yeah. I was. A, child and a teenager and then um so I I feel a loss around that very much were you surprised by like the impact that those types of losses and that grief can have on your life like as a whole because you didn't really prepare for it do you like you don't really expect it to kind of be such a huge impact it was funny I mean like we knew he he was dying for like 10 years like he was kind of a hypochondriac in a way so he always I remember when I was like uh 12 we were meant to go for dinner and he's like I'm not coming for dinner I'm I'm dying and then this went on for like 10 I can I can resonate to be yeah yeah (laughs) so there was just always this kind of sense that he was dying even though there wasn't anything he had lots of things wrong with him but nothing specific in a way um he was really heavy smoker of like his whole life like you know 80 cigarettes a day um and then about five years before he died he quit um which was which was amazing because he at that point you're like why bother but um so I think I was very aware that at some point he would die but I didn't conceptualize it um and when he did die I was I was relieved for him because he was ready to go and he wanted Mm. to and actually it was really sweet so it was my grandparents 60th or 70th no 60th wedding anniversary and my grandma was like please don't die like please wait um and he he well he must have because he died on the evening of their 60th wedding anniversary Mm. so there was he was holding out in some way but he he kind of like (sighs) he did want to die at that point and I think he was kind of waiting for us to yeah. give him permission I don't know if that mm. even if that's a thing but it felt yeah. like it was a thing from all of the stories mm. that like I've mm. heard from doing this podcast that is 100% mm. a thing like I experienced it myself like 
Definitely. I did as well because my, my nana, who I was extremely close to, I kind of saw her as a mother figure. I lost my mum when I was 18. But before that, my nana had, me and my nana had always had just a special, such a close bond. She was my world. Mm. And I'd um, travelled from Leeds to the hospital. It was about an hour and a half, the hospital that she was in. And she actually waited. Like, she was dying. She was dying. They were like, you need to come. She's dying. And I literally got there and my granddad still reminds me of it now. This was like two years ago during lockdown because otherwise I'd have been by her bedside the whole time. Mm. I got there. I told her I loved her and she kind of like just smiled and, and she knew I was there and then passed away. And I really believe that where people can, where they're able to, they will hold out for their loved ones. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And it was, I had a strange feeling because my grandpa, like he was so proud. So, you know, he always dressed well, even when he was Mm. not very well. Um, And he, he didn't like to see, like me to see him suffering at all. And I'd go visit him in the hospital and I could tell he, he really didn't like it. And obviously I wanted to see him and I wanted to chat, but there was almost his pride overrode his desire to see me. And so when he was dying, like the last few days, I, I went and he was like, please, like, don't, basically. I don't want you to see me like Aww. this. And it was really hard, but we said our goodbyes, basically. I mean, if you could mm. call it that. But then I chose to not see him like the last kind of day or yeah. so because it was what he wanted, which was really hard, but it was... I felt like that was my way of kind of honouring him was to kind yeah. of not not see him in a way that I know like he'd specifically said like mm-hmm. said his goodbyes kind of really didn't want me there and d- didn't really want like my sister and stuff um, there either so it was, um, but yeah in answer to a previous question <laughs> about grief <laughs> actually um, I think like my first response was oh, I just I just went into like practical mode that's my kind of cope I'm one of those like coping yeah. stress you know um yeah. and high functioning it. yeah <laughs> I don't know what it is I think it's just like some so deeply repressed is probably the because yeah. um, <laughs> I don't know how functional it is actually but um I do I still do it to this day yeah <laughs> and you know I, it's it's not lost on me that I've been like oh I can set up an organization to help other people as a way of dealing with my own you know and, and I facilitate some of our support groups and like I've literally run like hundreds of support groups I've spoken to thousands of people and heard their stories but when I'm facilitating it's not about me so I'm neutral yeah. and I'm just asking questions and actually yeah in a way, I know that I'm doing a lot of processing through hearing other people's stories, but it's almost like a safe way for me to do it because I don't have to <laughs> expose myself and, and go there. You just don't really, I didn't really know what to expect. And it just, it hit me at weird times. So I was, a, a few months later, I went away with a friend um, and we, we were in Bali and we, I went into a shop and it just smelled like my grandpa and I just burst into tears and like this Aww. poor woman is running the shop but like this tourist comes in it's like a, it was a beautiful <laughs> shop I and I was just bawling my eyes out <laughs> and she just didn't know what to do and I, I think for me it was like it was this kind of un, you know it just bubbled up at random moments and I think that's still to this day like how yeah. I would just randomly I, I get waves of it Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you get a lot of people saying to you, um, I say this because this is what I get all the time, oh, like it must really help you like process your own grief like doing this like it must be really good for your own grief but I know you, you mentioned that it was for you when, kind of when you're facilitating those conversations but I find that like I have like podcast me and then I have like actual real life me and I'm like actually it I, I do a lot of it's a really good way to talk and discover more about myself which I really enjoyed but when it comes to actually processing my grief like I actually have to like carve mm-hmm. time out separately to do that away from this um because yeah I feel like yeah, like, you know, it's not, even though I'm talking about myself now, but it's not about me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like my rational kind of logical brain is like, oh, right, that's how you, why you feel that. And that's when I talk to people and I'm facilitating, basically twice yeah. a year or like once a year, I just randomly have a day when I can't stop crying. <laughs> and um, it happened about <laughs> like two weekends ago, actually. And it's just, and... It's mm-hmm. like I could just go, 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 kind of, you know, do, 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 doing untangle, mm-hmm. kind of facility, understanding grief. And then, and I, and it, I was like lying on the sofa crying. I was like, I don't know why I'm crying. And um, it was actually, you know what? It was the mm. day that Deborah James died. And I think yes. that that just unlocked yeah. something. And then all of the emotion, yeah. all like grief, but I feel kind of came up and that basically happens it's like at the time I'm like why am I crying I don't know why I'm crying but I cannot stop crying and and that's basically what's going on I think you do well having one day a year of crying (laughs) I want to connect with that feeling more and I I struggle to and actually for me like I sometimes feel Mm, I almost feel sad about the fact that here was this amazing relationship I had with this person who I love so much and it feels like I can't access like the depths of my emotion because I'm so used to functioning in a certain mm-hmm. way. And it that makes mm-hmm. me sad, <laughs> you know? I want to feel it. So yeah. so actually I'm quite envious of people that get that do cry often and you know, that comes out. Um yeah. Mm. So talk to us about untangle then. Like at what point did that become real because I know that there's a heck of a lot of background work that goes into creating something like that and you know you have to get the tech right you have to get the user experience right you have to make sure that you're actually reaching the right people like how did that come to fruition so I've been thinking about it for a while and it wasn't until a couple years later that I was like you know I'm gonna actually set this up because it is a big thing to do um and 
And actually, when I first started, I interviewed like 50 people about like the most difficult things that happened to them in their lives. And basically bereavement comes up all the time. Um, mm. And just got a sense of like, am I the only person that's experienced this, you know, really hard time? And, you know, over and over again, basically was told like, no, um, it was really hard for me too. So, so I, I kind of wanted to like validate that there was actually a need and it wasn't just my experience. Um, and then I went through a, like a tech for good business building program. So basically they help people like me who have an idea and want to do something, but that's like for good and using technology for good. And um, so that was, was that there for like nine months and that gave me like a bit of time to basically start setting it up. And then... And kind of just learning as I go. So um, I applied for an Innovate UK grant and won that. And that gave us a bit of money to like get going initially. And um, it's just been a case of trying things out. Um, you know, the first version of Untangle was I went on Facebook groups and basically asked people um, like, did they want to be matched to other people that have had a similar experience of loss and also get help with the practical tasks? Mm. And on my phone, like, my WhatsApp logo was the Untangle, the very first Untangle logo. And um, there were a couple hundred people, matched them into, like, groups based on who they'd lost. And then oh. I was like, hey, I'm a chat helpline. <laughs> if you want, if you have any questions about, like, what to do, um, I'm here. And that was the beginning. And then... Um, basically since then raised a little bit of um, investment have grown the community so we now have like almost 14,000 members in the app and um, the big thing as well was to make sure like it's not just like a you know some fintech company where you can just do whatever you know there's everyone is really vulnerable so it was so important to get the safeguarding right and like you know most tech companies the other people that kind of were in that program were just like throwing things at a wall and seeing what's stuck. Yeah. Um, but actually, we, we've got Lizzie, who's our safeguarding lead, Dr. Elizabeth Paddock. She's like a national safeguarding officer of the Samaritans. Mm. She's wow. a psychotherapist. She's amazing. And um, created like our safeguarding policies. And so kind of had to do all that work first to make sure that it was a really supportive place. And then over time, it's grown. Um, there's still loads of plans ahead. Like the where I want it to get to is basically, you know, we're talking about waging all that information. Like where the vision for Untangle is, you know, you download it, you answer some questions, and then every week we help match mm. you to the right support. So, you know, whether that's a support group or we say, hey, listen, you just need to worry about planning the funeral right now. And here's an amazing funeral mm. director. And, you know, we've matched you because of X, Y, and Z, and you're similar to... It's, you know, 5,000 other people that have also joined yeah. and they loved this funeral director. And every week, you know, helping you. Do you want us to close your accounts? Great, we'll do that. So taking all the stress away so you don't have to do, yeah. you don't have to work out what to do. You're basically told, and you, but you're giving enough information that you can navigate it. And then all of the community support and the amazing, yeah. like, support groups Brilliant. and connections on there as well. So that's, that's kind of the vision. We're on our way there, but we're not there yet. <laughs> Emily, I hope you're proud of yourself because, you know, even the way you've broken it down there, 
people will go on and access this help and they'll have no idea of the hard work and dedication that's gone into it behind the scenes. And like, I know you probably won't want to accept it or anything, but that's truly unbelievable. What you have done, the hard work you've put in to help others is remarkable. So thank you from everybody in the grief community that you're helping. Can you just explain to us what people can access? What's on there right now? So we have three main things. We have a community. So on that, you can join groups based on who you lost, how you lost them. We have um, Helen, who runs Lockdown um, Grief. So she runs a COVID loss group on there. And we started working with the Lost Foundation and they run uh, cancer um, support groups as well. So every week we have at least three um, video support groups and events with experts like therapists or solicitors. Um, And some of those, like on Friday lunchtimes, we do a 15 minute drop in. So you can just come in if you're feeling a bit low or you're having a good day and just share it with the group. Mm. Um, So all of that. It's basically 24-7 support. You can chat to anyone in the community and it's all safeguarded and moderated. And I think that's really important because, you know, you go on like Facebook groups for grief and you've got like, you've you've just got a lot of dodgy people on there, basically. Um, A free-for-all, basically. Yeah, it is a free-for-all. And the other thing is, you know, and it does happen, we have people who are feeling suicidal and the... when you're on a Facebook group and someone's feeling suicidal, as a, another member, you feel a bit mm-hmm. responsible. But mm-hmm. because we've got our safeguarding team, you know that they're going to be taken care of. And I think that that's quite important when you're coming feeling griefy to a community and you want to chat okay. and feeling isolated to know that actually everyone else in the community is going to be taken care of. So that's, we have the community. And then we have a care team. So it's um, essentially you can chat through the app to our care team. So if you're feeling a bit low and you want to talk or you're going through all that practical stuff. So, you know, what do I need to do? Where do I start? Um, how do I value the estate? How, how can I get a house remover to help pack mm-hmm. up mum's house? Like all of those questions we can answer. Um, and it's just it's it's the thing I wish I had. It's like, you know, how do I actually just get an answer to this question Um, and we work with like solicitors and financial advisors and things so we can check everything and make sure that we're giving you the correct um, information from experts and then the other thing is content so um, we have lots of videos and articles and it's kind of structured so you know we have what do you do in your first week how do you plan a funeral and in the how do you plan a funeral there's things like how to emotionally prepare you know how to finance a funeral how to practice what's your practical checklist when you're talking to a funeral director it's all of the different angles all the emotional all the practical the financial stuff and we do that so it's first weeks planning a funeral you know closing accounts claiming insurance all the way through to memorial planning um and it's all really structured content so very easy to use and navigate and, you know, I was saying, like, the vision is that actually you don't even have to navigate that content. It will mm. just be served to you depending on what you need. But we're on our way there. <laughs> that's amazing. That sounds incredible. And that's all free, I should say, as well. Amazing. I know that you guys have obviously seen the community grow massively, like, just as as we have over the past, like, two or so years in particular. Um, I think we saw that you'd had, like, a 300% increase in in members during the first lockdown was it so like how was that emotionally sort of seeing seeing all of those people kind of filter through needing that support at that time because it must have been really difficult mm. it, it was a really crazy time because we were just starting really when lockdown was happening and um we'd done 
the research, so kind of knew what we, what we were creating. I think actually the WhatsApp groups had already happened by the time the pandemic mm. hit. Um, and then, yeah, launched the app. And it was strange because I knew from personal experience that there was such a need for support. Yeah. I think suddenly with the pandemic and everyone being really aware of grief and losing people, Mm. there was like this strange like oh my gosh this is a thing that everyone else is experiencing too yeah. now um so in a way it was kind of comforting in a really weird sadistic yeah. way but it was also th- there was kind of panic stations to be honest behind the scenes mm. and I remember like I was staying at my boyfriend's mum at the time like pacing around her house being like need to move faster need to build faster mm. like and I guess you know from the, the tech and the the business almost the organization like my role has always been to kind of drive it forward and try and constantly be creating things that help people and creating more things that help people making sure that we're funded enough that we can do that and um so I just felt this a lot of pressure to be honest to keep trying to grow and sustain so that we could support more people and I still feel that because I still think there's so much more like I've so you know these plans for what how we can improve the support there's so much more we can do and it's just a constant like race to try and support as many people as we can and improve the app as much as we can so that it is serving everyone's needs and everyone's different and I think that's one of the the most uh, exciting and challenging things about building Untangle is like actually what we're trying to do is say whoever you are whatever you need wherever you are in your grief we're going to help you get the right support at the right time and that's different for everyone and so like a lot of what we're trying to do is understand each individual person and their needs yeah. and then how we can match them to the right services. So it's, it's kind of a lot of data, to be honest, behind yeah, the but... scenes. But that's probably not the thing that, um, you know, that as a, as a user, hopefully, that you feel. What's your demographic like? Is it quite a lot of young people with it being tech? You know what? Our biggest um, demographic are kind of in their 50s. Brilliant. Um, yeah, which is... And, and that was kind of partly intentional and partly not intentional so in ah. their 50s often have lost a parent a partner or a yeah. child yeah. um and then we also have kind of a secondary demographic who are probably our age um yeah. and um have often lost a parent or a friend mm. um so and it was really that's one of the things that's been really important like i really want untangled to be for everyone yeah but for everyone to find the right their people but get them as quickly as possible. So the more people we have on the platform, the better, because, mm. you know, for example, we have a suicide bereavement group and we've just launched a child suicide bereavement group. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, losing a child to suicide is different to just, I'm not saying just as, to minimise, no, but I understand. losing another relative yeah. to suicide. Um, yeah. And so the more people we have on the platform, the better you can and more quickly you can find the people that really yeah. really get you so it's like it's one of those things like every loss is different but everyone mm. as a human needs the same thing which is like to be understood and to be heard and to be around a community of people that can, can help so it's one of those different things you know it's all a bit yeah you flex with it emily can you stay a part of untangled grief for as long as you want yes so we have people called grief mentors who are community members who've been with us for like a year coming up to you know every year and a half like basically since day one Mm. um and they're people that just feel kind of in a place where they want to support others and they are amazing so they welcome other people into the community they 
they're kind of like the beacon of hope that and hey look you live with your grief we we all know like all of us know that it doesn't go away but it becomes manageable and uh, you know most of the time and there are kind of grief mentors basically are there to say hey listen like I've been where you are and it's okay and yes it's bloody hard um but you know we're here and so it's it's really lovely we've got mm. this amazing community but you can stay as long as you want you don't have to be a grief mentor you can stay as um you know uh, a community member and just chat to other people and get that support how how much time emily do you get for yourself because i sense from what you said that your whole life is pumped in to untangle grief is it your full-time job do you do this full-time yeah, yeah it is <laughs> it's it's like full-time all the time i'm i'm obsessed with it um because i just care so much about it i'm like this is so hard this time of life and it's harder than it needs to be because there isn't support as well yeah um and i so yeah it's, it's my full-time job but also i probably spend you know most of my evenings and mm. probably a lot of the weekend and my boyfriend will say normally the first two days of holiday when i'm trying to get things done um <laughs> which he's very understanding about um because I, <laughs> I i really really believe in it and i think that there's um there's such a need and i i don't know i i care i just really care about making making this easier for people and <laughs> I know. you you can tell i'm gonna cry if you say things like this. <laughs> your desire to help others literally beams out of you like you are a wonderful person you can tell that you genuinely want to help other people and to give so much of your life and dedicate so much of your time to doing that it's remarkable i'm, I'm genuinely blown away by how dedicated you are I feel really privileged to do this because like I genuinely feel lucky like so through the pandemic every Sunday morning I facilitated our peer support groups and you know you get up on a Sunday at 10 or whatever and you know sometimes I'd be hungover or and I and then and you know there were days when I thought oh I don't know if I can handle this right now and you just just after an hour of chatting and everyone just mm. sharing their stories and their feelings. Oh, sometimes we just sit in silence and everyone cries, you know? Um, I always, always come away from those groups feeling mm. lucky that I get to be with people in these moments and that they feel safe to be vulnerable and trust each other in these groups. And like, I constantly feel yeah I feel privileged that I, I get to be with people at these like really tough times so yeah it's it's the community that make Untangle what it is and I'm really grateful for them so and everyone in it. Is there any like what's one piece of practical advice that you would give to a young person listening who has just lost a parent or a parental figure or someone who meant a lot to them in their lives? Practical advice I mean you don't have to do everything at once is probably the, the biggest piece of practical advice. Um, so, you know, if you are the executor or there's no will and you're having to do everything, you just, you don't have to close all their accounts, you know, contact the bank, plan a funeral, sort In through all their things at once. Exactly. Take your time um, and don't make any big decisions yeah. in the first six months. Um, just sit on things is probably my best piece of advice. And what was your grandad called? Was it Harold? Harold. 
Yeah. Um, can you tell us what your favourite memory is of Harold? Oh, it's a tough one. The thing I always think, so we, I'm real, really painting a picture of him, but he was a member of a golf club, so, um, and always used to go there for Sunday lunch, and he'd always get, he's really diabetic, like, for a lot of his life, always get fried eggs, chips, and sausages, and I just and that literally there was always this like grandpa you probably shouldn't do that and he's like <laughs> you probably <know."> shouldn't <laughs> yeah but and and I think I just really remember sitting at this like big round table with him him eating that and us just um just chatting and I think so in the golf club all, all the other kind of you know families come yeah. out and he was so proud of me and I don't think anyone has ever I don't think I've felt like someone oh. feels that proud of me ever yeah. in my life. Um, I feel a bit emotional talking oh. about this. Yeah, um, and, you know, and all the other families would go past and he'd basically, um, you know, he'd be like, oh, this is, this is Emily, you know, this is my oh, granddaughter. Yeah. And tell them about me. And I, I think just sitting there and having that, feeling that sense of kind of him, um, like kind of showing off about me was just yeah. like the most mm. amazing yeah I've not felt that feeling from anyone um except for him so yeah <laughs> thank you for sharing that do you feel like he'd be proud of you for what you're doing Emily I hope so I hope definitely so. he wouldn't be I think he definitely would. I've never met you before today, and I am. So I think your granddad would be. To be honest, I think he'd probably be pestering me to have grandkids at this point. Yeah. <laughs> leave, leave the app. Yeah. Leave the app, Emily. Yeah. Stop off yeah. the grandkids. Yeah. Uh, um, so. Priorities. Yeah, yeah. Emily, you've been an absolute joy. Thank, thank you, you so much for chatting to us. And like we say, thank you so much for everything that you do for the grief community. Untangle Grief, go to your app store. You can find it and all the help is there and accessible for you for free can you let us know as well emily where they can find you on social um it's also at untangle grief um so yeah give us a follow we just we're almost at 60k followers this is like a big milestone for us so um yeah give us a follow but um we're we're kind of really like lovely supportive community and and thanks to you guys as well because it's it's everyone in the grief community Yay! that's creating a space for people to come Amazing. and feel heard and normal and like understand this really strange thing that we are all kind of going through. So, um, yeah, thanks to you both as well. And thanks for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. Keep doing the good work. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.